0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Muse Room. My name's Katie, and I will be your host as we meander into the lives of inspiring and creative people. This is a hub for makers, thinkers, and anyone else that is doing the work that they truly want to be doing. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for those of you that are returning, and if you're new, welcome to Muse Room. This week on the podcast, we have Katie Kurtz. She is a yoga teacher, a certified life coach, and the founder of Soul Connect Movement, which is a coaching and connection movement that is redefining how women connect to themselves and each other. I'm so glad that I stumbled upon Katie. I actually found her through the directory of women-owned businesses on yourlocalgirlgang.com. The founder of Your Local Girl in Cleveland was a previous podcast guest, so if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and listen after this one. Anyway, I was just perusing that website one day and I found Katie Kurtz. I sent her an email and we immediately set up a day to grab coffee. I enjoyed chatting with her so much and knew that she had to be on my podcast. She's just such a warm and inviting person and I'm so glad that I met her. We talk about life coaching female friendship and connection, fear, body image, and how she started the Soul Connect movement. She has so many great things to say, so if I were you, go grab a journal and take some notes. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Katie. So I always like to start my interviews by asking what has been inspiring you lately. So is there anything that happened recently that just has really stuck with you and is really just, it's kept you moving? Yeah, so
1: I feel like I, I'm i really fortunate to be able to draw inspiration from a lot of places and people. Um, so right now... Kind of in the season of life I'm in, I'm really drawing inspiration from pressing pause and trying to slow things down. Mm-hmm. I think I am just one of those people that's always on the go and and love, I don't really resonate with the word hustle, but I, I love being able to create and, and connect. And now um, I had a really full few months. And so now I'm just in this like sweet summertime pause of being able to uh touch base with my soul values and kind of reconnect with myself um, and be a little more intentional with my time and my boundaries. And so that's where I'm drawing inspiration from right now.
0: That's nice. So what have been some of the things that you've been able to do with the extra time?
1: Yeah, well, it's so to preface, uh, it's not like I'm just taking the month off and having this like beautiful free month. I wish Mm -hmm. I could. But Uh, you know, as a creative entrepreneur, it's, it's hard to turn the creativity off. Yeah. Uh, And I also work a full-time job still. So, and then I also teach yoga. So I've, I do a lot of different things, but right now it looks just like uh, saying no um, to certain events or meetings or saying, hey, not right now, but how about another time? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's also looking like Getting outside and connecting and moving, um, movement is one of my my values. It helps me kind of get out of my head and into my heart. So being able to do, mesh that with being outdoors mm-hmm. has been really awesome. And spending as much time near the lake uh, and um, reading and just kind of slowing things, just kind of slowing it down um, and practicing that pause mm-hmm. wherever I can. That sounds so
0: great. Yeah. Nice. So what is your full-time job?
1: So uh, for the last 10 years, I've had a career in social work. I'm mm-hmm. a licensed social worker, uh, and I've worked in a lot of different uh, nonprofit and government sector settings. Um, so I uh, have, you know, I have a really successful career in that field, um, and I've learned so much about myself and, um, and being able to serve so many different people within our area uh, in different ways
0: yeah definitely I want to get into that but let's kind of backtrack uh all the way back to the beginning so where are you from what was your childhood like all that kind of stuff
1: so I'm actually from the city of Cleveland uh actual city I know sometimes people are like I'm
0: from Cleveland
1: and then they live in a wherever but I grew up uh in the West Park neighborhood of Cleveland Mm -hmm. uh and uh my childhood was good I I'm from a big Irish Catholic family uh and very culturally Irish, so I was a big, um, you know, growing up, going to different bars that uncles owned, or, you know, really going to St. Patty's Day parades and different things like that um, was a big part of it. Um, I'm an only child, but I grew up with um, my cousin, who's about four years older than me, and so we were sort of together all the time, so we never felt like we were only children. We were, we even called each other brother and sister, Mm -hmm. we're really close, so I grew up um, having him and then just being able to go, we went to the Beck Center for the arts cool. and, and did all that growing up. But, um, I'm an amazing family and I'm really grateful. Um, I feel very privileged to have a really supportive and, and wonderful family. But I also, uh, so much of what I think inspires me continuously in, in the work I do with Soul Connect is, uh, I was always kind of an old soul and, uh, a sensitive kid and feel felt a lot of feels and so growing up it was hard to relate to other kids I always felt kind of like awkward and shy um and it was hard to make friends and I was that's kind of the same way yeah it was so hard and and it was painful and I think that growing up you know grade school was not a I wouldn't look back at it fondly I wouldn't want to do it again uh it was it was a hard time it was hard to feel that intense loneliness as a child uh, when you're surrounded by people and you're not really sure, like, how to figure that out. Um, And then moving into high school, I went to an all-girls high school. So then that came with a whole new set of experiences. Uh, I'm really grateful for my high school experience, but I also didn't know who I was, and I was really scared that I was, like, the only one that didn't know. And, like, what 15-year-old knows who they are? Like, it's crazy. But at that time in high school, and anyone – can attest to that. Like you feel so much, like you feel like this is, this is huge. Uh, and so I went through high school sort of, I'm a keen observer. I'm sort of that person that kind of pauses and observes what's around me. And, uh, I did that in high school. I was able to mimic what other girls were doing or mask or kind of fit in and kind of go wherever. And, um, but I was never true to myself because I never allowed myself to explore who I was. Uh, so when I got to college, that's when I really started to kind of unravel all of this, these untruths of who I was right. and start allowing myself to be more myself and kind of goofy and whatever. And uh, I feel like in college is where I found my people mm-hmm. um, and I'm turn, inter- like, forever grateful for finding those people who love me for me and who I showed me and have taught me what real friendship is about because I think um in Cleveland it's such a an incredible city but it also can feel like a small town and that everyone you know I can't go anywhere without knowing somebody and or someone I grew up with and I'm such a different person than I was growing up um and I think we should be I think we should be always be evolving exactly. and and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that but it's hard to still see see that because I didn't always associate my childhood with, like, happy memories of... I have lots of happy memories with my family and things like that. But, you know, school is
0: hard. Yeah. Being a kid's hard. Being a girl is really hard. I know, yeah. yeah. I totally relate to all of that. I was... When I grew up in high school, I mean, I was dancing, so I didn't really have, like, a life at high school I wasn't doing sports or extracurriculars or anything like that so I like kinda had friends at high school and then I kinda had friends at dance and then I when I went to college is when I really started to kinda figure out who I am I mean I'm still on that journey and I started to find the people I like and find out what I liked as a person so what was that transition like for you like what did it look like like what kinda made you start to see who you were? So when I got to college, I,
1: uh, I really, I was the first person in my, like my parents didn't go to college. So I was the first one to go and I had no idea what to expect. I only related it off of like TV shows. Um, so I really wanted to get far away. Like I remember applying to colleges, like really random far away places, but I ended up staying in Ohio. And so I knew a lot of people that went to my, College that I went to high school with, and I really wanted to try to create space. Um, But I just started allowing myself to kind of get out of my comfort zone and do things that interested me. But uh, I was so, like, so painfully shy and awkward, and like, whatever, like, it was and really consumed. I gave so much power to fear. Uh, throughout my whole life when mm-hmm. I look back especially even in those college days of giving so much power to fear of like what will people think of me or being too much or too little of something and that would prevent me from not doing stuff uh, but I I remember like the first few weeks of my freshman year I met a girl down, like down the hall from me in my dorm and she was from Cleveland but she was from the opposite side of town and we just sort of bonded and uh I always talk about this story because she uh to this day is one of my very Mm, best friends we were roommates throughout college and she's just always been that teacher in my life that has shown me that um like you don't have to front you don't have to like put up all these these masks and bells and whistles to like be liked or to get approval that you're enough just as you are and I think that um At the time, I didn't realize it, and I don't think she did, but the more I look kind of and reflect back on that that friendship, that was a pivotal moment because I found someone that, like, I just clicked with. Uh, And then I started to find more people, and I kind of came out of my shell and started um, just experiences. Uh, My sophomore year of college, I actually moved to Hawaii with uh, a girl who we sort of grew up in the same town. So we like knew each other, but we became friends in college. And she's like, I think we should go to Hawaii and go to school there. And so we did and we were 20 and we had no idea what we were doing. But that experience is what, it was the first time I ever like went anywhere far. Uh, It felt like study abroad, but it, it wasn't. But at the same time, it felt that way. And that experience was life-changing because it was the first time I was like really on my own and I had to face a lot of fears and it was I remember being in Hawaii and just really starting to feel like confident Mm -hmm. like courageous um and I'm like I love that experience because I think once I got back to the to Ohio and back to college like I was different yeah I was starting to really step
0: into who I was why do you think um being in Hawaii did that like what were some of those fears that I th- you got over
1: I think that I just I think sometimes it's not uncommon for us as humans that we need to get out we need to go somewhere in a different environment yeah that we need to like you hear all these stories about people traveling and then the finding that new sense of of life or purpose or sense of self. And I think for me, I needed that. Uh, it can, when you're just in one place your whole life, uh, it can feel like that's it. And to be somewhere completely different and where no one knows me and that I can just be myself, but Mm -hmm. also have to rely on myself and and navigate my way was something I really needed. Um, so it was it was really life-changing. Really valuable mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Wow. So then you, you were there for a year?
1: Um, I was actually there for a short time. I oh, was there okay. for about six or seven months. Cool. Um, and my friend, actually, who I went with, ended up transferring there. So mm. she uh, graduated, and so I went back a lo- uh, several times. But oh. I headed back to Ohio for the summer, um, and yeah. And then what was th- – so you did you switch schools when you were in Hawaii, or was it – so I went to the oh. University of Dayton okay. and they have these two sister schools, one's in San Antonio, Texas and one's in Honolulu, Hawaii. Random. <laughs> so they have this like opportunity. I'm still they I'm sure they still have it where you can transfer to um, the other the other school for like a That's semester so cool. or so it's just another and they those students can come to Dayton. I don't know who would really want to yeah, come right. to Dayton,
0: but uh, <laughs> And so that's what we did. We took
1: advantage of it.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. So then that was your sophomore year, and then so you finished out your junior and senior year in Dayton? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and
1: I'm really glad I did. I loved Hawaii, and I loved that experience, but uh, I needed to come back to, because that's when I really started finding all of my other, like, people, my groups of friends, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what was your major? Social work in college?
1: No, actually, my my major was psychology and okay. women's studies. Um, and, you know, I've always known my life's purpose is kind of to be of service. Like mm-hmm. I always love volunteering and helping people. And, uh, it that was a value that was really important in my family too. So, um, do you need to close that? Yeah. Okay. Um and. So I, when I got to college, like I had no idea who, again, like what 18-year-old knows what they want to do. Um, and so when I was ready to graduate, I didn't want to leave college. I loved it. And I didn't know what do you do with a psych degree and a budding recession. So uh, I ended up, a professor of mine recommended I go into social work and it sounded great. It was this mix of like helping people and social justice and like a lot of kind of flexibility. So I ended up applying to graduate school and coming back to Cleveland, Mm -hmm. um, and going right into grad school. Wow. Nice. And then, so you finished grad school and then what happened after that? So I was in a, in a pretty intensive two year graduate program. Um, and then I, I just flew right into my career, um, working a lot of hours and, uh, in some really tough jobs. I started off, uh, as a trauma therapist. So I worked with a lot of, um, children and adolescents facing really tremendous trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I remember graduating grad school and being, and working through that in these really intense like field placements and being like, is this, is this it? <laughs> is this my life? Like I don't mind this. You know, I felt like, okay, you got it. You know, I was always taught you get your career and you stay there for 40 years yeah. and then you retire. And, uh, I immediately felt unsettled and I was like this like doesn't feel right but I don't like I don't know like what's right maybe Mm -hmm. this is just how adulting is so I've always been really hardworking and ambitious so I immediately just threw threw myself into this career but always feeling like this just isn't doesn't feel yeah it doesn't just feel right it just Mm -hmm. felt really unsettling so um a few years into my career I a friend of mine took me to yoga because Mm -hmm. that's when like a part of social work and any kind of helping field like self-care is really important because you're taking on everyone else's exactly and 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 in the time I was in a job that was actually uh I was doing a lot of crisis intervention so at times it was kind of dangerous um so I I never liked yoga I was really resistant to it um I had a lot of stories of why I didn't want to do it but I I went to kind of oblige my friend Mm -hmm. and in for whatever reason that class was really important like a pivotal moment for me because i allowed myself just to like again like we talked about pause mm-hmm. and uh kind of get out of my head yeah and i i really started to lean into that practice uh and found my mat as a safe place to land and a soft mm-hmm. place to land and i think from there i started learning about personal growth and development and all these, like, coaches and teachers and, and books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realized that that's kind of where I was starting to be like, is this, could this feed that unsettledness? Could yeah. this help me feel more settled? Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually made me feel more unsettled because <laughs> I started to realize that, you know, um, you know, systems are... When you're in this field, there's a lot of systems. There's a lot of just frustrations with people that need help, but systems that are causing more harm than help. And it was frustrating. And I tried to like, again, work my way up in leadership roles and things like that and advance my career. But it was still, I kept hitting a wall, um, and it was sucking the energy and life out of me. But yoga, and then falling into this world of like personal growth yeah. and development showed me this other side of being of service to others um
0: so yeah wow yeah it's funny how there is like you said before how you always knew that you wanted to be of service to people Mm -hmm. and how we think it looks a certain way but and some people get stuck in that and they are they have that unsettling feeling and they don't realize that they're it can look different ways so it's cool that you realize that and you are being of service to people still, but it doesn't, it's not just the social work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's such a great point.
1: I Mm -hmm. feel a lot of the work I do, um, as a coach, uh, is about kind of rewriting these stories. So I, I say stories as like, I think back like I shared earlier about like my childhood and I almost view them like burrs. like you're walking through the forest and you get those like prickly burrs that get stuck to you and they end up in your hair and on your clothes and you have to like rip them off and sometimes you don't even know they're there and sometimes you just feel that poke and it's uncomfortable but uh, whenever we have stories and we can track timeline them back to usually our childhood uh, where those thoughts of like not being enough or needing to be perfect or doubting who we are Mm -hmm. that's where they originate and then they just kind of snowball and we have the power to rip the burr off and throw it away or rewrite the story and redefine what anything means to us on our own terms Mm -hmm. uh yeah so that's that was really power like a powerful moment for me to realize that I have that ability to be of service but in on my own in my own way Mm -hmm. um and I worked with, the first time I heard what coaching was, like, I was like, Tony Robbins, Oprah, I was like, that's too much for me. I don't know what that is. But uh, I, the first time I worked with a coach, it was really powerful and transformational because all it was was somebody holding space for me, a non-judgmental space for me to, like, kind of brain dump all these thoughts I had in my head and then pick up what served me and leave the rest mm-hmm. behind. And I did that. Like, she didn't do that for me. I right. did it. Mm-hmm. And so... I. That sort of planted a seed within me, like, oh, this might be something I want to do. Yeah. Um, but again, I felt like I had to get all the certificates, yeah. do all the things. My Virgo tendency is like, <laughs> I have to plan it all out. I have to be perfect at it. I get it. Yeah. Um, or I need to be ready. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of like being ready, right. uh, or that someone's, someone or something's going to give me permission to begin. I just waited and
0: waited and waited, uh, and it never came because. Right none of it's real I I totally relate to that yeah I want to get into that a little bit more but let's um get back a little bit so you had that first yoga class do you remember like what kind of yoga class was it like do you can you picture it in your head Mm, yeah it was right uh
1: when the inner bliss westlake studio opened cool um and it was so crowded like so everyone's mat was like touching and I was like this is so we're gonna all sweat in this room together and like move like this is not it was claustrophobic but it I think it was like really the first time I was in an actual like studio uh and and I stayed with it it was uncomfortable but I found that by staying in the discomfort like I, I survived it mm-hmm. I did it and and that's been so powerful kind of the mirroring of what happens in yoga in life, of being able to stay with the discomfort and feel your feelings and let them yeah. move through you and using your breath as that anchor um, was really just this, this idea of like it being a practice. that There's no arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no destination. It's just this ongoing practice. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And I love what you said about being uncomfortable because that's how you grow as a person. You aren't ever going to grow if you just are afraid of being uncomfortable. Right. Right. Exactly. But I always thought
1: like, no, I just, it'll just happen, Mm -hmm. right? Something will just happen and I'll grow and I'll do this. But I was kidding myself and thinking that of course growth is messy and hard and Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and painful because you're stretching, you're growing, you're becoming, uh, And that when we deny all of that, or we hide it, or we avoid it, we're denying who we
0: are and our humanness. Totally. So then you have that yoga class, then do you go into teacher training soon after that? No. (laughs) No,
1: actually, um, no, I just keep showing up to classes. Mm -hmm. Um, That was like eight, maybe eight years ago. Um, I actually just did my teacher training this past, I finished up this past March. So. It it was something that I think soon after I was like, oh, I want to do this someday, but I need to be ready. I need to have that promotion slip. I need to be able to do, like, all these inversions. Right. Uh, so it didn't, that internal readiness didn't happen until last mm-hmm. year. But uh, I started joining, like, the book club at the yoga studio and meeting all these different people and finding that... Uh, the spiritual side of yoga that was really filling me up um, and again as that deep feeler sensitive old soul kind of person and knowing that there's I meant for something more yoga was that gateway drug into helping me do
0: that mm-hmm. um, yeah mm-hmm. and then so you find your first coach is that does that happen around the same time that you had your first yoga class or was it after yeah. I should probably make a timeline of my life because
1: I don't know. (laughs) They all start to blend. They all start to blend together. But I actually... uh, One of the first, like, coachy kind of people I was introduced to was Gabby Bernstein. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was from a girl at the yoga studio. Uh, And I read uh, Spirit Junkie. And I started reading all of her books. And I was like, wow, like, this all really makes sense to me. And it... That book then led me to a bunch of different, you know, Brene, Brene Brown, Liz Gilbert, all these different authors, Marianne Williamson. Uh, and then again, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know the timeline, oh, but no, I okay. think like the first time, this must have been like maybe four or five years ago now, I may be botching that, um, I stumbled across Jackie Carr and Mary Beth LaRue of Rock Your Bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started reading their blogs and kind of following them on social media. And they really, it really resonated with them. They, like, spoke my language. And they, I ended up working with Jackie um, and some of her coaching programs and their Seven Weeks to Bliss programs. And even, you know, working with them, they kind of showed me what coaching was and how powerful it was. Uh, And that really was the big, I I always tell them, like, they they were really the people that inspired me into allowing myself to explore what that could be for me. Uh, and it's really cool because for so long, I feel like I was, like, a fangirl of these Rock Your Bliss girls. And now I'm really grateful that I've gotten to know them and they've gotten to know me. And we're we're, we're not they're not just teachers and mentors and coaches, but friends mm-hmm. and soul sisters. So, uh, and it's been really cool to see that evolution.
0: Yeah. And then also, like, everyone's human, so even though they're a life coach, doesn't mean that they're... Exactly. Yeah. And,
1: they, and they are the ones that really taught me that, mm-hmm. I think, in a, in a really powerful way. Um, and, and also created a community that, in their work, uh, especially in their 7 Weeks to Bliss program, they, and their retreats, have connected me with women all over the country who... I talk to all the time or in group text where we see each other or we're, we're on actual phone calls and it's so nice to be surrounded by people who get it yeah uh, they feel like it feels like home when I'm around them or talking with them because they too are in this work and that's um, it's just really comforting and reassuring even if they're in Colorado or mm-hmm. North Carolina or LA
0: I love that I crave it yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, Okay. So then you, let's just talk about life coaching. So I'm, I am just starting to become familiar with it. Like you said, Gabby Bernstein, but I, I'm, I've never worked with a coach myself. So just kind of tell us what it is, maybe demystify it. Yeah. So I felt
1: the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I've learned is that, especially coming from more of a clinical background as a social worker, um, therapy, counseling gets you through something, through a pain, a trauma, a drama. Coaching gets you to something. So you're setting goals, you're creating inspired actions to get you moving forward. Um, but there are all different kinds of coaches. Uh, there's you know career coaching, business coaching, health coaching, life coaching, mm-hmm. any type of coaching, you can name it. Uh, and so... I, I looked at a million, I feel like I've looked at every single coaching program probably in existence to, just to like look at, or when I would start feeling like maybe this is something I want to try or do, I would look and Google search a million programs. Nothing really felt like the right fit. Um, But when I kind of serendipitously found the coaching program I did with Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy, it immediately clicked, like I immediately was like, oh, this is what these are my people, this is what I meant to do. And so the type of coaching I do is really, it's very similar. I think baseline all coaching is about creating those goals and helping people motivate, inspire, hold accountable that individual to move forward to attain them. Um, for me, I sort of take traditional goal setting and flip it on its head a little bit because as somebody I've always been one of those goal-oriented people. Again, Virgo. So every September mm-hmm. on my birthday, I'd create a list of goals. And I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. By January, I'd be burned out. Yeah. <laughs> and all I was was, like, craving the check mark and then still feeling like, eh, okay. Uh, and it wasn't until I read Daniel Laporte's book, The Desire Map, where she talks about the question – or poses the question, like, how do you want to feel? And I was like, oh, I never really – thought to ask myself that when I'm creating a goal or anything. Um, and so the work I do with women really focuses on how do you want to feel and why, and getting to the root of that and then creating those inspired actions to, to move yourself forward. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to run a 5k, that's amazing, but I want to know why. Right. (laughs) And how Mm -hmm. do you want to feel? And and I'm going to ask why over and over again until we really peel back the core of why you want to do that thing and why it's important to you. And then kind of help hold space. And it's, I'm a space holder. I'm, I hold space for people to hear themselves and to like let it all out and then pick up what's needed and to remind them of who they are, uh, I don't believe that I think we're powerful beings but we lose our way and power isn't something we attain it's something we awaken so we need to come alive by harnessing our own courage and getting facing our own our own bullshit and Mm. getting real with our fear and seeing those stories that are holding us back and smashing the box on all the stuff all the shoulds and the musts and the the coulds and creating some possibility to flow
0: yeah totally I like what you said about um, why are we doing something? Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, so I always uh,
1: talk about this one coaching client I had who, again, when I coaching in Cleveland, it's still a newer phenomena. So when when I started coaching, people like didn't understand it, and I had to do a lot of work explaining it. Um, but I remember working this one coaching client early on in my as a coach and she, I kept asking why, like she was really stuck on like creating a goal that wasn't something that was like really clear and tangible. Like I do A and then I get to B or whatever. And it just was like being like an annoying toddler and being like, but why, but why do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. What do you want to feel? I'm almost like, I think too, as a coach, I'm like a why finder. I'm like, why getting I think our why is something we all hold within us. Like there's a reason why we get out of bed every morning. It doesn't have to be this huge, monumental why. Maybe it is, but it's taking who we are and what we want a step further, and and finding out why we want, why we do what we do, why we show up as we show up, and finding that connection to it. So I think back to that client. She finally unraveled and was getting kind of annoyed with me probably asking, but why? Or how do you want to feel and why? And she finally realized she wanted to feel really grounded and strong in her own self-worth and self-love. And that ended up becoming her goal. And it sounds super visionary and sort of like, of course we all want that. And how do you attain that? It's like a lifetime worth, you don't just like arrive in three months and say, nailed it, like totally feeling worthy and full of love Mm -hmm. but she began because she was connected to that why she then began to create these actions in her life making choices in her life intentionally showing up in her life to generate more of that feeling more of that connection and it was completely transformational for her because she viewed her life in a totally different way and yeah in three months she was far more grounded in self-love and self-worth. But now she has a whole new... That ending was really the beginning of how she can live her life um, because she's connected to that why.
0: Yeah, I feel like once you figure out what the why is, then the what might end up changing completely. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So it's just a different way
1: of looking at things. It's just like trying on a new pair of glasses and seeing it through a different lens. Sometimes it's a little blurry and sometimes it's crystal clear. And... I believe that there are so many coaches and teachers out there, and it could be easy to get saturated in that that world, but we all have our onlyness. Um, I have my uniqueness and my onlyness. It's different from every other coach in the world, so if people resonate with what I say or my language and I speak the language that you speak, then that's awesome. If I don't, then there's a million other people that you can find to connect with, but um it's also offering different ways of looking at things because sometimes if you just redefine it or just look at it differently, it can change everything.
0: Totally. Yeah. So can you talk about maybe who should, um, work with a coach? Why should they work with a coach? Um, I guess everyone should work with a coach, but maybe not everyone's ready to. Yeah. Um, I don't, Think everyone. I don't know. I struggle with the word
1: "should" because right. I think that um, that word comes with a, a hefty uh, baggage behind it. But I think that everyone can mm-hmm. work with a coach. Um, anyone can. It's again, it's really different than therapy or counseling. There may be similar skill sets that are utilized, but it's very different, and it can often complement it. Uh, but it's for, and there's so many different types of coaching um, and different coaches. So it's finding, you know, what who res- you resonate with, who speaks your language, what you're needing. But the one thing I always tell people is that, uh, you know, if you're feeling that unsettledness, if you're feeling drawn or you're starting to look at coaching or coaches or you're intrigued by it, then then maybe follow that feeling uh, and know that everyone needs space just to speak their mind in a non-judgmental way or hold, have someone to hold space for them. But really, it's an investment. And you have to be really ready and willing to be invest in yourself and do the and, work. And do the work. Um, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that'll say, you know oh, six sessions and you'll make six figures. Or like, you know, it's so easy to go from like sad to happy. And, you know, all you have to do is this. And like, I don't know. I don't really believe any of that. Maybe it works for people, but that sounds like you're just sliding along a surface that's really nice and smooth. And of course we all want to stay on this smooth, glossy surface. But the real work comes from going below and going into the depths of who you are and why you continuously get stuck in a certain pattern or mindset or blocks or feeling stuck. Uh, Until you finally get real with those fears, again, fear being perfectionism, doubt, uncertainty, uh, not enoughness, whatever it may be, you're always going to keep coming back to it. Mm -hmm. And it's like a boomerang. So when you finally see it, feel it, and heal it, then you can create space for possibility to flow into your life. Um, so, again, coaching may not be for everyone, uh, but it's for the people that are are willing to say yes to themselves right. and say they want to live their best their best kind of life. And I know that's so like, and I kind of hate that. Like, live your best life, right. best life ever. Like, ugh. but. <laughs> Uh, you have to decide what that means to you, and are you truly living? Like, what does that mean, and are you truly living it? And what's it going to take for you to do it? I can't make anyone do anything, and right. that's not who. That's not what coaching is about. And I hope I'm sure there's some coaches out there who think that, but it's not what it's about. And I think that um, for me as a coach, I also value and. The work and I'm always working with my own coaches because it's that powerful and I see the benefit and the, and it's I want to invest in myself continually because I do really want to live my best life I want to in every season of my life I want to be the best version of myself
0: yeah. mm-hmm. takes a lot of peeling the layers yeah. and getting really
1: down to the root right but when I think about it I had that choice 10 years ago to enter a career, and I still have that choice. I could stay in a career and just do the same thing for Mm -hmm. 40 years and get my paycheck and then maybe retire and live another 20 years. That's fine. I'm not minimizing that. That's the path for a lot of people, and that path also brings a lot of people joy. But for me, that doesn't bring me joy. Um, I need to... I I know I could skate along that surface and kid myself and thinking that this is what I should be doing and then I could should forever um, all over myself. But what do I really want? Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is this isn't our practice life. This is the only life we yeah. have. So why shouldn't we be peeling back all the layers? Isn't the whole point to feel fully alive? I don't mm-hmm. know.
0: Totally. So we. Keep mentioning fear, and that's something that I think about a lot lately. I've been thinking about it. So can we talk about, like, what have your experience been with fear? And how does your work help people work through that fear? Yeah.
1: Fear is one of my favorite topics Uh to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) So, like I mentioned, I, I feel when I look back and reflect at my 33 years of life, so much of it was... Like, I gave my power over to fear, whether it was just fear of being seen or heard or, um, you know, fear of being alone or fear of, you know, feeling insecure or constantly striving for perfectionism um, or feeling ready. Like, all of these types of fears manifested in my life, and I just was like, I saw it and I'm like, oh, wait, here, here, just take take all my power. There you go. Like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to feel it. Um, or thinking, like, that's the only way to live. Uh, but then I soon realized, like, that's, you know, I could stay in fear and let it control my life, or I can start to take it, the power back. Uh, and I think I've learned so much about my own fear, and I continuously you know, I'm not fearless. Mm-hmm. I don't actually right. believe anyone is fearless. No one, yeah, I think mm-hmm. we're always going to have to coexist with our fear. But... And it keeps us safe sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I should preface, like, I'm not talking about actual tangible fear, like, yeah. oh no, I'm going to be hurt or right. this bear is coming at me, mm-hmm. like fear or danger. Um, I'm talking about fear yeah. in that umbrella sense of like our own bullshit in our head, mm-hmm. that ego, that inner critic that's convincing us and spinning tales of you know, we're not enough, we're not, we're not worthy, we're, we're too much, we're too little. Um, all those stories that we create, uh, either from experiences or we're told by our families or from our cultures or religions or society, uh, they put us in a box. And I, a lot of the work I do, especially with my coaching, online coaching program, Reclaim, is we have to, look at all those things, all of those fears, all the too much, too little, not enough and put them in that box. And then we need to smash it and we need to write the truth outside of it and know that that's what's real. That's mm. how we reclaim what's real about who we are and what we want and why we're here. Um, so for me, it's taken a long time to really unravel all those fears, uh, timeline them back as to where did this all start, right. you know, and, and then smash it uh, and reclaim it and say, okay, this is what it was. I, I can't change the past, but I can make, I have choice in the matter and moving forward. I have the power to move forward and power. use a term a lot and it's not like power over others. Uh, it's that in innate power we hold within us as humans to create, to choose, to show up. And if we keep giving it away to fear or people or relationships or whatever, we're, we deplete ourselves of it. But we can do things to recharge and regain it uh, and live a life on our own terms that's intentionally aligned with who we are. So I do a lot of work, especially in our Reclaim program. Um, it's about really seeing those fears and getting real with it and being really honest with yourself Um, and looking through all that BS that kind of we've convinced ourselves of and then smashing it and then shifting into a place of knowing who we are and what we want, getting connected with our values, getting connected with our why, um, learning how to see and feel fear when it arises and then instead of giving away our power, taking it back, shifting back into it. So Mm -hmm. um Yeah, and and looking at our language and how we speak to ourselves and to each other and looking at how we show up. Um, I always say, like, this is hard work. I mean, it's messy and uncomfortable. I mean, when you think about it, I think I spent most of my life running or numbing or, like, fleeing because I was so afraid to feel it. But I always talk about this – Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor talks about, like, the length of an emotion is like 90 seconds, but we have the power to make it last a lifetime. So mm-hmm. if we just sat, and that's why I love yoga, because if we just let those feelings move through us and we feel our feelings and not label them as good or bad, or we can begin to really unlearn and and do that work. Because it, it's, yes, it's hard, but it's hard work, not hard work. It's, it's the work of our, that becoming, and, but we always have choice in the matter. We can skate the smooth surface or go into the terrain. And I think it's far more exciting and invigorating to go into the depths of who we are and, and make that choice. Yeah. And, you know, it's,
0: um, but it is, it all comes down to choice. Absolutely. So when someone decides that they're ready to make that choice and they're just starting out, exploring this kind of thing what would you like what are some kind of easy stepping stones just to kind of try it out a little bit Mm. so i i think that the
1: foundation of all of like quote unquote the work that we we keep talking about is self-awareness so just tuning into when you are feeding into your own bullshit feeding into your fears um getting clear on what you're really afraid of i mean Whether that you can do that through just sitting with yourself or writing it down in a journal or talking it out loud with somebody, Um, really getting real with yourself uh, and and knowing that, like, you're human. So that's, like, a big thing. I think we forget, I forget sometimes, that there's 7 billion plus of us and we're all human and we all have feelings and we all have really great days and bad days and joy and sorrow and grief and loss and, and... love and light, but, uh to be human is to have an array of emotions and to re- have an array of experiences. And I think that to remind yourself of that first and foremost, and that it's okay. And to give yourself permission to, to let, let it be a little messy. Uh, it's not going to look perfect. It's not meant to. Uh, and I, I, the trajectory of my life really changed when a simple phone call with my, my cousin, who I grew up with, um, who I mentioned before, we were talking and I just got into a new job. This was a few years ago and I was like, still, I was like, why am I always in these jobs I don't like or like, I just don't feel fulfilled. And He's like, you need to give yourself permission to, to start. No one's going to give you permission but yourself. You have to show up every day and give yourself permission. And I remember in a Brene Brown course I was taking that she talked about this ritual of permission slip writing. And I was like, he's right. Like, I'm the one thing getting in my own way. Yeah. I'm not going to get a paper neatly folded from the universe saying, Katie, here you go. You're ready now. Right. Like, congrats. Like, go on forth in your journey. Like, that's never going to come. Because ready, being ready isn't real. No one has their shit together. Like, it's all just this fear... Creating stories, so exactly. I think getting real with yourself, getting real with your fears, and then writing yourself a permission to do, be, or feel whatever you need right then and there, and especially to show up. Yeah, absolutely. that's where to begin.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's start. Can you just tell us all about Soul Connect Movement? How did it start? What is it? What yeah. are you hoping people get out of it? Everything. So Soul Connect uh, started
1: obviously out of my own journey Mm -hmm. I my whole this especially in this last 10 years this journey of really discovering who I am and what I want and then living in alignment with that and I realized I I view our soul as our true authentic self who we are underneath all the fear and the masks and all that um and so I realized in order to live in alignment I had to constantly connect with that that soul within me and that's it's like, oh, Soul Connect, there you go, Soul Connection. It's how I define it. Um and I knew when I became a coach, uh, the month after I graduated from my coaching program, I launched Soul Connect. And I knew right away that uh I didn't want it just to be me. Uh it it I felt really intuitively called to work with women and to create a movement um that this isn't just a business, it's a movement because it's all about redefining how we connect with ourselves, uh, being all the things I've already talked about, and connecting with other women because you and I each have to walk our own path, but to be surrounded by people who get it and be like, oh, me too, like I've been there, or, oh, you know, have your back is so integral. And I think that um, I just felt really. I had this unwavering belief that this is what I meant to do. And so Soul Connect is a um, offers coaching and connection. So coaching programs, like really courageous coaching programs, whether it's one-on-one or, like I mentioned, Reclaim, which is an eight-week online program um, that's more of a group setting uh, to get really clear on who you are and what you want and then really awaken that courage within you to, to live that way and live life on your own terms, not your fears. And then really connection-centered events, retreats, workshops. So uh, I do monthly gatherings Mm -hmm. uh, at the She Collective where it's a way – it's almost like a redefined girls' night out. It's a way for women to connect. It's not networking. It's not a support group. It's not a yoga class. It's just real women showing up, checking to-do lists at the door, checking their judgments at the door, and just being themselves. Because I believe that if I can show up as myself, I inadvertently give you permission to do the same – And then we're just being real and we can have real conversations about all of these things uh that the good the bad the messy and find yourself having real authentic friendships and connections Mm -hmm. to surround yourself with people who get it uh and then I do a lot of event a lot of collaborative events especially in Cleveland because I love eye contact and like in-person hugs and I really truly not only believe in women supporting women but I like I try to live that out loud. So uh, I love collaborating with other female entrepreneurs and businesses. Uh, And then I do retreats. So we have a retreat coming up in October. Cool. Uh, So it's, it's really evolved. Uh, I really committed to myself that this whole belief of feel the fear and do it anyways, throwing kind of everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. So I've had a lot of failures, but I feel like I've failed forward because they've been lessons in learning of what works and what doesn't, what's aligned with who I am and what's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's really beautiful to also see the community that has grown out of this, to see all these women who've either been a part of coaching programs or gatherings or events, um, seeing all the really amazing friendships that have been created Making friends as an adult is hard. Yes, <laughs> and so we're trying to make it a little easier. Yes, uh, and in a real, authentic way, um, where there's no gossip or comparison. Right. It's just celebrating each other, and you know we're not sitting around the table singing kumbaya. It's mm-hmm. literally like you're sitting at your girlfriend's living room. You know, there's wine, there's snacks, there's Lacroix, and we're all just connecting. Yeah, um, and it's weird because women aren't conditioned to always connect that way. We're uh, yeah, conditioned totally. to connect through commiseration or, you know, competing or whatever <laughs> that may be. And this,
0: again, flips it, flips it on its head. Absolutely. Yeah, female friendship is something I totally want to dig into a little bit more. Something I've been thinking about a lot. I don't have a lot of friends right now. Like, um, you know, I left college, don't really... Haven't really been able to keep the connections that I made there, um, with my job. I have tons of friends, but they don't all live in Cleveland, that kind of thing. So it's just something I totally have been craving lately, and I'm. It's I'm not, I don't have it right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just want to dig into that. Yeah, um, oh me too. <laughs> I
1: mean, I me too in that I, I know that feeling because I was there. Uh, I, like I said, it always just had a hard time with women and yeah. like making friends with women and I think because I was terrified of them like there's, some some girls are scary like mm-hmm. or you're not sure of what, how they'll react or this kind this underlying competition or whatever um, so I met those, those friends I had in college but when I left and I moved back to Cleveland like they didn't move with me they all right. live out of town, they still do so that was really hard uh, and then I ended up reconnecting with people that I grew up with, um, and, uh, and making new friends, but I found that everyone started having, getting married and having babies at the same time, and then everyone moved away, and I was Mm -hmm. like, I think I hit 30, and I was like, where, what is this? (laughs) Where is everyone? Like, how is it that it's so hard to make friends as an adult? Like, I love the people I, like, go to yoga with, that's something I could make friends with, but then people leave, and I want to stay and, like, talk Mm to them, and, I felt so alone. I was like, what's wrong with me? How am I back here again? And I I was uh, I started having this idea of like what if I just started bringing I was really craving to to go somewhere to have these connections, but it wasn't around networking or yoga. It was just connecting with people. And so I made my friend, my dear friend Dawn open up her house and I was like, we're inviting strangers over. We're going to see how it goes. Uh, and she leaned into it, and that was three years ago. We, I had my first gathering in her living room, and all 16 of them said, me too. Cool. And I was like, all right, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. This is a need. We're all craving real authentic connection. We're, we're all craving real true friends. And and so that's that's where it all began. But I think, again... Sometimes you have to see what you need and then create it yourself. Right. Uh, but it's hard, and let's like not front about that. Like let's just be real. Mm-hmm. Making friends isn't all this hard. Like I'm thrilled that Bumble has like Bumble BFF, like whatever. <laughs> but it's I wanna part of what I do is holding space for right. that real connection to happen, um, and so and it and it's been really beautiful to see that evolve
0: yeah i love that you're doing that and it's so important so thanks yeah i haven't made it to an event I but i want to every
1: month okay. we're, we're here every month we're taking july off because okay. i'm in my Got it. season of a month of a pause mm-hmm. but yeah we meet at the she collective in Lakewood every month um it's a different day mm-hmm. so it's on her calendar on her website but and it's on my website too but again it's just come as you are and take what you need uh it's a really radical act of self care to be able to show up. Sometimes we have new people show up every month, and they don't know anyone, and it's mm-hmm. so brave, and I'm so cool. so inspired by them. But they never really know what they're getting themselves into because it's hard to explain. You have to f- experience it, uh, and they always end up leaving, saying like, "Oh my god, this was this was awesome. This is exactly what I needed," and then they come back when they can, if their schedule permits, um, and and yeah. So it's a big part of what I do, and it's that whole redefining how women connect mm-hmm. component.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so I want to talk about a few more things about Soul Connect. So you have your Reclaim program that you mentioned. Can you dive into a little a little bit more about that, kind of walk us through yeah. what that is? So
1: Reclaim is an eight-week coaching and connection um, experience. It's, it was really designed uh, to hold space for women to, to have their own individual path, but to be surrounded again by other women who get it and makes it a richer experience. So I've, Reclaim is a really important program to me because it's some, I've taken all the teachings and all the lessons and tools that I use every single day and I've put it into this sort of guide. Uh, and it, each week, um, we focus on reclaiming a different part of who we are, whether it's, our, our truth, our space, talking about boundaries, talking about truth, how we speak, how we, what we share, um, reclaiming our, uh, our power. And, and so each week we have a, uh, a group Zoom call and we kind of dig into that week's content. There's a guidebook that's mailed to your doorstep that you receive and it's all about getting real with yourself and clearing that space to allow that possibility of what you want to flow through you. Um, and it's been... We just finished um, the first round two weeks ago. Oh. And it was amazing um, just to see and go from like maybe being a little guarded or unsure to completely opening up and allowing themselves to create that space within their lives and reclaim their energy, reclaim their, their being is incredible. So... It's it also offers uh, so that group kind of coaching feel, but then two opportunities to work with me one on one, two to get deeper into maybe areas they're feeling stuck, um, and that group also allows like a lot of accountability, but also people saying like me too, and then it feels like okay I'm like not alone or helps you see something differently. So um, it's really amazing to be able to share this because I work at I do the program with everyone every time we run it um because I use it every day and Mm -hmm. I learn something new every time so our next round actually starts August
0: 6th awesome um
1: so again eight weeks eight Mondays and uh it's really cool it's just it's something that you can come back to all the time too because it's so pertinent
0: um and offers kind of just more tools in your toolbox to do this work yeah great and then, so you'd also do the one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it looks different for everyone, but what's, maybe if you can give us an example of what a coaching call would look like.
1: Yeah. So, um, probably my most popular coaching package or series is three months or six sessions. And they're, they're one hour, um, calls or Zoom or Skype and, In the beginning of those one-on-ones, I'm really getting clear on why that person's showing up and wants to invest in themselves, what's getting in their way, what's their fear sound like, um, are they ready to do this work, and then I'm working with them and really guiding them to create goals with soul. So goals that are really clear on what they want, how they want to feel, and why, and then working with them each week to create those inspired actions to get closer to that. So it's really using our feelings as a barometer and I think that like when you start talking about feelings people freak out but if you can get in tune with how you feel, again going back to that self-awareness, if you're feeling like shit and then the next week you're feeling a little less like shit and then you're feeling a little better and then mm-hmm. you're feeling maybe like a little happy and then like you're moving up, you're able to use your feelings as a barometer if you're constantly getting in tune with that. So um, I also work with uh, a, lot of, a lot of creatives and entrepreneurs and other coaches too because they see the value in investing in themselves and then clearing out those fears or trying to find that courage to really show up fully in who they are and their work.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Cool. Um, so I want to talk about body image. So you are involved in a project called Body Love Clee. Yeah. So can you tell us what that's all about? Um, it's body image is just something. Another thing I've been thinking about sure. as a dancer, uh, I deal with it every day. So. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I Everyone deals with it I every was day. Like, <laughs> I'm, I would
1: be really shocked if not everybody deals with it every day, mm-hmm. but You know, I think body image and feeling comfortable in my own skin is something I've always struggled with. And to be really honest, um, it's something I still really struggle Mm. with. I'm not like a health coach. I'm not somebody who's really talked a lot about body image, except probably until this most recently this year, um, because it's scary and it's really uncomfortable Mm. and I just don't want to go there. But, you know, I could stay there or I could face those fears and and smash them. So I am always talking with other women, other entrepreneurs, and I had three separate conversations with three different people who had this idea of having this like body positivity kind of project or event or a way for us to celebrate our bodies as they are and to be real about it and to really celebrate the skin we're in. Mm -hmm. And I was like okay everyone needs to meet because I've had three different conversations I was like what if we all come together and do this so that's really how Body Love Clay began and it's come from Debbie Darnell and Brittany Graham and Laura Payne and then myself and, and Abra Saeed we all just kind of came together and created this this experience um, and it happened in May and it was incredible like I've just sort of been the behind the scenes person to help bring everyone together and kind of sponsor this, this space mm-hmm. um, because that's where my gifts lie in, in connection yeah. and being a connector. Uh, but I was able to participate in the event and it was it was really powerful to just be like there wasn't any, any fear. like I was just to be able to be. And we had so much fun um, and so we're looking to do another event hopefully in the fall. Um, but I think that's part of soul connection, right? Is Absolutely. to really know who we are and what we want. It's also loving ourselves and celebrating ourselves along the way. And body images are really murky and it's riddled with fear. It's riddled with stories um, that need to be unlearned and, and seen and healed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it needs to be talked about more. Right, yeah. And celebrated, mm-hmm. all bodies, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm tired of the diet culture. and mm-hmm. oof, It's heavy, yeah. but yeah. I'm glad that you guys are doing that, so thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, so just one more thing, and then I have like a quick fire flashcard right. situation here. <laughs> um, so you are you have a full-time job. You have Soul Connect yoga teacher <laughs> and <laughs> L- life you know and life, all those other things <laughs> and now body cleat. so how do you balance everything i do how do you make time for yourself how do you not go insane yeah <laughs> <laughs> um you know I've been
1: thinking about this a lot lately because it's it is a lot like when I look at it I'm like oh my god I'm doing a lot of things but it doesn't feel that way I mean, sometimes it does, but I am so in tune with myself. Um, I'm very self-aware. I know when I'm feeling like I'm running on fumes. I know when I need space. Um, Like I mentioned, every literally every season. Luckily, you know, in Cleveland we have four seasons. um, And every season of my life, I'm always reconnecting with my soul values, so that I'm in check. They're still serving me. I'm still serving them. Like I'm still showing up and staying i connected to that because that's how I navigate my life. That's how I navigate choice in my life. Um, that's how I protect my heart and my boundaries. Um, I, When I finally gave myself permission to begin and become a coach and create this business, um, something really opened up inside of me that I was finally able to be creative in a way I've never been able to. It's like this freedom uh, from fear and to be creative, and I can't unknow that. I can't put the lid back on the box. I, it's, it's. I have this unwavering belief and sense, like no matter what comes my way, like this is I'm meant to do this mm-hmm. or follow it wherever it leads me. And so, it's hard to turn off the creativity when you flip the switch. Um, but I have a lot of practices and rituals in my life that keep me grounded. Um, I'm an early bird, so I like mm-hmm. to create space in my morning to move, nice. uh, to get out of my head. I really love to start my morning that way, um, to get outside. I love watching the sunrise over Lake Erie. It's like my number one favorite thing to do in the summer if I can. Yes. Granted, I don't do this every day. Um, I've gotten more into a meditation practice, of, even if it's five minutes of just being and breathing, using mantras, um, mm-hmm. journaling, reading creating space. That's how I start my day. So I have that space. Um, staying connected with people that I'm so, so grateful. I have amazing people in my life that believe in me and support me and that I can run ideas by or vent to or whatever it may be. Um, but I really, you know, when I'm at my full-time job, I'm there like, and I devote all my time to that. And then when I leave, I leave it there and then I go in, I switch modes. And it's hard. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's hard to switch your energy. It's hard to go from something completely different. But I know I have to do that, and that's I make that active choice to show up and do that. Um, I've definitely had to sacrifice a lot of things. I think a lot of time. I've spent a lot of Friday nights and weekends at home building websites or programs or... um, and I don't say that in, like, a complaining way. Like, I chose to do that right. because I, I love this work. I want to share it. I want to build it. I want to, you know, Soul Connect's bigger than Cleveland. Um, it's where I'm at right now, but I plan to, to make it bigger than Cleveland. So in order to do that, you have to sacrifice things. Totally. But, um, I think the biggest thing is just constantly writing those permission slips and constantly coming back to my values and my why so that I can keep showing up. Mm-hmm. And knowing when to rest, when to work. Yeah. It's just an it's a constant practice, totally.
0: Cool. Okay, so I have these a little stack of flashcards. Okay. So some things it might have like a word or a phrase or a question that yeah. So okay. you <laughs> just choose one and then whatever comes to mind first. All right. Cool. Totally we don't cool. have to do all of them. We'll okay. See how, how long it takes. So who would
1: you rather have dinner with, Brene Brown or Liz Gilbert? <laughs> oh, no, Sophie's Choice. Um, hmm. I oh, I mean, I would want both their friends. I feel like both would come. But right now, I'd really love to sit down with Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. I just feel I've always felt connected to her work. Cool. And, what, what would you ask her? Oh, my God, everything. I Thank think you. I would just yeah. gush. But oh. just talking more to her. About her work and it's it's been a huge catalyst in my life so and also asking her about how she navigates it in her life I always love hearing personal accounts of that as well mm-hmm. perfect day no work or obligations Ugh. Uh, get up early watch that sunrise move and just be slow mm-hmm. slow but purposeful I think and just following that natural rhythm of yeah. Of my life in the moment, um, and having time to create because that fuels my soul, and then being connected with people I love and care about, and being outside, and just following that natural rhythm. I think is sounds just like perfection right now. I'm doing it slowly. Mm-hmm. Meditation, Ugh, love hate, for sure, total love hate. Uh, it's hard to turn my brain off. And so I always thought meditation had to be sitting still for 30 minutes in a little like seated position with the mudras. Right. And I like open one eye and be like, yeah, I'm done. I can't do this. When is this over? <laughs> and then I realized I can redefine what meditation is for me and that maybe I could do it while I'm laying in bed before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it's Um, my yoga teacher Yolanda Rosenthal-Green really introduced me to sound healing so I love, like that's what works for me is mantra and chanting and all the woo, like the singing bowls and the gongs, like I love that like that's that's meditation for me but it's It's, also movement, it's being outside it's meditation isn't just one thing and we have to redefine it or it'll never work yeah, crystals, obsessed cool, what's your favorite? (laughs) oh my god um amethyst is always my favorite uh I I have so many crystals I love the woo I'm such a woo girl nice. I I have crystals I'm always like wearing them emerald cool. like I love my logo for soul connect is actually a crystal and oh, it, yeah. it was I love it because it's like it can be like aquamarine amethyst all those crystals embody what soul connection is nice. um but I love it because they're like raw and jagged and smooth and that's just I think it's so cool it also reflects like how we are as humans Mm -hmm. so i love it all the woo favorite cleveland restaurants Mm -hmm. (sighs) town hall obviously uh lux Mm -hmm. um i love nature's oasis in lakewood Mm -hmm. um yeah so many oh my god that's so hard instagram (laughs) i love instagram uh because i have a healthy relationship with it uh and I have to always have that healthy relationship with it or it won't work for me yeah. or serve me. I've met so many strangers from the internet who are now my good, dear friends. I love it. Um, it just allows me to be creative. And again, as somebody who has a lot of jobs, like it, that's how, how I can connect mm-hmm. and how I can show up. So I love Instagram. Totally. Do you want me to go through all these? Favorite books. <laughs> <sighs> I don't do well with like choosing one thing with favorites. I always like to do threes. Yeah, you can do um, multiple. I just finished reading the endless practice by Mark Nepo in February, cool. and I'm, it was life altering. I loved that book um, and his words. Uh, obviously, gifts of imperfection by Brene Brown is one of my go-to. Big Magic by Liz Gilbert's one of my go-to's. Um, but I have so many books. My Amazon book hauls are ridiculous. Cool. You can just do like two or three. More. Okay. What do you think happens when we die? <laughs> it's a heavy one. <laughs> Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, I grew up like super Catholic. Uh, so it was like heaven, hell, guilt in between. And I, I don't practice any religion. I, I think I'm very spiritual, but it's, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I, I haven't really, I have thought it, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. And I do believe our soul lives on in some way, but I definitely need to unpack that a little more mm-hmm. and learn more about it. I think that's a good one. Morning rituals. Mm-hmm. So I shared a little bit. I I know I'm my best self when I wake up early and move and have space for me to be quiet and just go within. Um, when I don't do that, when I hit snooze, which I totally do because I'm human mm-hmm. and far from perfect but when I do that I notice my day is off
0: oh yeah. so
1: I loved like driving to work I have like a podcast playing I have a shorter drive but it's still that space um I wear like I have a mala bead around my my wrist um that's a way that I also like stay connected um if I just like a quick like mantra or whatever in the morning to like help me create that space
0: nice that sounds great yeah
1: cool well is there anything else you want to share Um, No, I'm just really grateful to have the space to talk more. I love talking about um, what I do and, like, kind of unpacking it a little bit and demystifying coaching because I think it's still a harder thing to understand. Um, And I love podcasts. Obviously, I launched – I also – another thing I did, (laughs) launch the Human Hour podcast in May. Um, So I love that. It's with my – Business bestie Christine nice. Barnes, who lives in New Jersey, um, and it's just real talk and real connection, and I love it. It's really, it's so fun to be able to talk because I feel like writing—you only have a certain amount of space, and it's you can't true. like connect with people mm-hmm. in that way. You never know what's gonna come up, yeah. so it's really cool. Podcasting's
0: so, the new networking, right? Yes,
1: the best. I heard that on your last podcast. <laughs> I love <laughs> that Katie yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. You listen to it? I did. Thanks. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I listened to a few of yours. So. Cool. Thank you for creating this space. And I think for anyone who's in Cleveland that's intrigued by the work I do or wants to come to a gathering or the retreat, um, you can find me at Mm soulconnectmovement.com or at at soulconnectmovement on social media. And like I said, Reclaim starts August 6th, so we have um, registrations open for that.
0: Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and doing this during your pause time. So I'm really grateful. I am too. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Katie. Go ahead and check out her website for more information on Soul Connect, And you can also listen to the Human Hour podcast that she hosts with her soul sister, Christine Barnes. I'll include a link to all of the ways that you can connect with Katie in the show notes. And if you would like to support my podcast, go ahead and subscribe. You can also rate, review, or share with a friend. Any of those things would really mean a lot. And if you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Podcast or shoot an email to musroompodcast at gmail.com. So thanks again for listening. And until the next episode, come say hey to me on Instagram. Join the book club. This month, the book is Text Me When You Get Home. You can join the secret Facebook group, which I will leave a link to in the show notes so that we can discuss the book throughout the month and stay tuned for more details on that um there will be a meeting at the end of the month which i believe is july 30th so definitely uh, follow me on instagram to find out more information on that but until then thanks again for listening and i will talk to you soon bye